How we doing, New City Church? New City Mission, I should say, right? Guys, we are, uh, my name is Casey. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, we got some new faces in here this morning. Great to see everybody. As, uh, as Ed had pointed out, man, fill out that Connect card. Gosh, man, God is doing some crazy stuff in our church right now. Uh, if you don't know, uh, we are uh, looking back at the same period, same weeks as, as this uh, last week, last year. Uh, we are almost double in size what we were last year. And so, you know, kind of like, uh, wow, that's that's incredible. Well, not that, that we're just trying to get people in, but for some reason God trusts, uh, uh, you know, us together. Since we're all knuckleheads, I guess we just got a lot in common. So it's kind of kind of one of those deals. But, uh, man, it's really cool. Say, who said amen? You're a knucklehead, amen. Uh, you first, pal. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to be a part of, man. It's fun to see what God is doing. You know, we, we've, we've gone through this whole Will It Be Us uh, initiative. We launched it and had a, had a four-week series. And we're going to be going through this for about two, about two years or so. And we're going to be looking at what it means for us to be a mission versus uh, a, the, the church we attend. And we are missionaries as part of the New City Church mission that God has planted us here for a particular reason. It is to reach those people that need him and to disciple those people that need discipling see it's not just enough for us to uh, reach somebody and convert somebody and baptize somebody we've got to teach them what it means to walk with Jesus amen that's how we roll that's how we roll so uh, here's a couple things I want to do uh, if you guys don't know uh, we uh, we are a Bible thumping Jesus freak kind of a church we love Jesus. We love his word. It is the complete inspired, inerrant word of God. And what we've done over the last, I don't know, uh, couple, a couple weeks ago, I was challenging everybody to stop thinking uh, in ways like we get all mad and, ain't, you know, like start posting stuff on Facebook. Hey, we're going to share this news story where somebody's going to take a cross down and, and the, the Ten Commandments are going to be taken out of the courthouse and those kinds of things. What's up, Selby? I need to see you there, baby. I was like, dude, is my friend. Um, yes, I have friends. I sure do. Uh, and so, yeah, we get all mad about that, right? Oh, they take prayer out of schools. But let me ask you guys, uh, like, like, if we're going to be honest, were we really praying when it was allowed in the first place? Probably not for a lot of us. Were we really living by the Ten Commandments as we're so angry that they're being taken down to some concrete block with some inscription on it. We're so mad, right? And yet, like, if we're going to be honest, we're, we're probably not living by the Ten Commandments in a lot of ways. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to, uh, from memory, if you will do this, write down the Ten Commandments. If you can get them in order from memory. Some people actually had like three or four people did it in the first and second service. It was cool. Uh, you will win a super soaker. Now, I got to tell you how we got this, right? You guys saw me running around with these, man. I was trying to, oh, who's, who's with me? Yeah, baby. Super Soakers Unite, right? You won that in Kid City, man. That's so cool. You know how you won that in Kid City? He memorized scripture, brought his Bible, and won the prize, baby. Rock and roll. <laughs> Jamie's doing a great job in Kid City. We absolutely adore her. Her enthusiasm is incredible. The kids love her. I'm sitting there yesterday. While you're filling that out, I'll tell you a story about how we got these. Um, Yesterday we had the, the back-to-school summer splash party. We had a big old water slide and hot dogs and all kinds of stuff. We actually had it 
scheduled originally a week ago, but if you don't remember, there was a, a monsoon that came through on Saturday, so we rescheduled it for yesterday, and it was really cool, man. Like, uh, I got, but if you saw on Facebook, if, you, if, you're, if we're friends on Facebook, if not, I would, would you be my friend? Um, just, man, I was like bombarded with, like, we had 2,000 water balloons yesterday. We went through every one of them, dude. It was epic, right? And so we had these water balloons, and we were, um, like, I was trying to defend myself. I was, like, squirting everybody, and I was getting these water balloons, like, pow, pow, pow. Like, 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 like this was my shield. I didn't have nothing else. But one of the water balloons hit these, like, the, the very front of this, and it, like, like, tilted it up. So I'm sitting there squirting. It's going straight up in the air. And I'm like, hey. So I watched one of the kids. I was like, hey, will you look at that see what's going on? And, of course, what do they do? You know, I was like, I got him, right? It was fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, like it was so cool, man. We were like bombing with each other. Like, like I got, I got smacked in the back a couple of times with water balloons. I think I got like a big old well back there. I was so sunburned as everything else, but it was so cool, so fun, so fun to be a part of. Now, one of the things uh, that we found was there was a little. We were playing volleyball out there, and there was a little bitty snake, like this big. Oh yeah, everybody like, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, yeah, I peed my pants a little bit too when I saw it, but it was dead. So somebody stepped on it. I think it might have been me, but I'm not sure. But it was definitely dead. But when you find a dead snake, what do you do with it? Well, you torment other people with it, of course, right? So you're going around. You know, this is we're having a super sign. So this girl, she's I got like she was probably about 12, and I put it in front of her like, look, it's a dead snake. She screamed. And I shot her in the mouth. It was like, <laughs> it was awesome, man. It was fantastic. Well, so the here's the thing, though. The, 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 the creme de la creme of the day, right, is if you don't know, I love hanging out with kids and swinging kids around and throwing them up in the air and stuff like that. I try not to break your children, but I almost broke one about eight months ago. It was Savannah Renner. She's like, will you spin me around? So I grabbed her, you know, I started spinning her around, and we're, we're always partying here at this church. So we were at a party, and I'm spinning her around, and I ran her right into a tree. Like, I was like, I just sat down. I was like... She's screaming, and I'm like, oh, this is, supposed, this is supposed to be fun, you know? And dude, I, was like, I knew I broke something, man, because I was just like, she's like, watch out for the pow, right? I was like, dad, gum, right? So I sat down, and uh, of course, I'm getting, you know, I, I said, I think I just broke your kid. Sorry to Rebecca. And if you don't know Savannah Gooch, man, Rebecca and Josh, I'm really sorry. I just think I broke your kid. Well, of course, she's, she's limping around for about 30 minutes. and like, oh, oh, and I'm going, I'm in trouble, right? Well, about 30 minutes later, she's miraculously healed and running around with all the other kids. I'm like, oh, awesome. However, she never let me forget it, right? So she said, you tried to break me like every other day. Well, we got even yesterday, trust me, because I'm sitting there, uh, doing, I'm sweating whoosh, 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 like this and everything like that. And all of a sudden, I sense somebody behind me, right? And I turn around, and this is what I see. Nothing but a big old pink water balloon right before it hits me right in the eyeball. Bam, right? It was Savannah. <laughs> she got me. And she said, I was trying to hit you in the back. I'm like, that's even worse, right? You got to face somebody. Well, I think I detached my retina a little bit because I'm walking around going, whoa, whoa. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're even. She goes, it's about time. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Fantastic. Who got your uh, Ten Commandments done? Anybody? Anybody? We got a bunch of sinners in here that don't know the Ten Commandments. What? Almost done? You almost got it? Who got it? You got them? Sherry? All right, you got, well, you got nine? Yeah, I forgot the first one. All right, who's got it? You got ten? Read them off. 
I don't know if they're in order because I don't have them memorized either. So. I couldn't win this one. Okay? <coughs> okay? All right? Cool? Nice. That, is that right? Do I get a... Congratulations, you have a super soaker, Sherry. And the first person to shoot me with a super, super soaker is blessed. I'm just saying. They get, the, they get the rewards in heaven, man. It's going to be good. So, all right. But we have fun, man. We party. We do all those kinds of things. Why? Because we want to get together and do stuff as a family. Right? This whole uh, it takes a city is that we together are learning what it means to be a family, getting our crap together, right? So that we can go help other people get their crap together. Amen? That's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. We've, that's what we're called to do. And so we're exploring as a church through this, piggybacking off the will it be us and never stopping to ask that question, is God going to use us, trust us to be on his mission for his glory? We're going to take this, it takes a city, get our house in order, if you will. The very first thing we're going to do, and we're going to talk about it today, is how do we make Jesus our Lord? How do we see that him not just as a religious guy that lived 2,000 years ago and died on a cross so I don't have to go to hell, but how do I make him my boss? All of us together. That's a difference, isn't there? And unfortunately, for many churches in our culture right now, now this isn't what's going on in some of the oppressed nations, but in our culture where it's safe and legal, we tend to go to a place that makes us comfortable versus a place that challenges us to be more godly. And this is where we got to be. How do we make Jesus our Lord? We're going to explore that today. Next week and the weeks to come, we're going to be looking at, talking about like as we go on mission, how as Jesus must be our Lord. If not, we will be on the wrong mission. We're going to go do stuff because it sounds spiritual or it sounds churchy or it sounds godly or it sounds whatever unless Jesus is our Lord and we have to do this together. Amen. How do we use, we'll be talking about, our gifts that God gives us, our talents, our abilities, our spiritual gifts, for God's glory, for the building up of the church, to be on mission, and how do we organize the church in, in, like in a biblical way? And then finally, we're going to look at how do we reach getting our stuff together, being collectively a body of believers that is on mission together, deep in our roles, using our spiritual gifts, Jesus is our Lord, and we go reach the neighborhood. That's how it works. Amen? Love this. I'm real excited about this idea of what it means to get our stuff together. See, I see things in a certain way. If you don't know, I, I read the scriptures. I, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys that loves to read the, the Bible, and I, and, I, and I wish I was one of those guys that could sit for hours and hours and hours reading it at a time. I'm just not that kind of, just a, like, a, like, a, like I'm pretty methodical. So I'm daily reading a chapter a day, but here's how I read it. I'll take it, and this is radical. You guys may have never heard how to do this before reading a scripture, so it may be very new for some of us. <laughs> it's pretty radical. I might even get it patented, but one of the things I do is I, is I look and I start in Genesis 1, and then I, I start reading. 
And then when I get to the end of the Bible, I go back to the start and I just start reading. Like, it's crazy, right? I know, it's just like bizarre, but that's just kind of one of those things. Like, oh, that'll never work, man. That's, that's, that's almost sacrilegious in our, in our days. But that's how I do it. And as I read it, I've been seeing patterns of, of God. Like I'm, I'm through uh, several times through the Bible right now, and I'm seeing different patterns of the Scriptures. And I'm seeing that God wants us to love Him. Like uh, he wants it, he doesn't demand it. He wants us to love him. And through that, like he sends his prophets in the Old Testament, sends his son in the flesh in the New Testament. And through all those things, all of those people are, are, are like rejected by the religious establishment. Jesus himself is, is even in Matthew 20, 22 and 23, he's confronting in a lot of ways the religious people that were oppressing other people in order to get their own uh, I don't know, stature and favor in the community and that kind of thing, uh, uh, advanced, if you will. Now, here's the thing that I love, though, and that, that the, when we read the Scriptures and read Matthew 20, 22 and 23, I got challenged by the Scripture because someone told me, though, oh, no, this is Jesus. This guy is coming to ask Jesus a question and learn from him. He might be right. I see it a little differently because in context, they're against him. And then after that, he says what he says. He just publicly thrashes the religious people. If you guys really have a trouble with like religion and organized religion and all these kinds of things, you would love Jesus if you got to get to know him in the Bible. He does too, right? Like all these people that they, we're going to do it this way in our traditions and our denominations and all that kind of stuff. Man, he's like, no, no, do away with those kinds of things and follow him. Remarkable. And it's simple. But I will tell you this. Even if the other person is right and I'm wrong and that, and I, or I'm right and that other person is wrong, it does not ultimately matter because what we need to do is start seeing what Jesus actually said. Let's, we, it's, it's important for us to understand the deep recesses of the Greek. It's important for us to, to go into the orientation and the first century culture and what they were talking about and all that kind of stuff. But I say, and, I, and, I, and I, based on the, what I've observed in the scripture, that the enemy seems to be happy with talking about Jesus as long as we don't obey him. Like we could get all, like we could go into all kinds of Bible studies and, and all kinds of interpretations and all kinds of translations and all kinds of denominational thinking and all kinds of different things. Well, this person believes that and this person believes that. And as long as we don't obey, man, enemy's like, cool, man, learn all you want. Whew. But when we step into obedience, it shakes our enemies to the very core. Matthew 22 starting at verse 34, says, and this is Jesus had just sort of shut up the Sadducees. Someone told me a joke, said the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, and that's sad, you, you see. Um, which I thought was pretty funny. Right? The Pharisees were believers in the resurrection. Sadducees were not, but they were both a religious sect, if you will, of the Jewish population and the Jewish hierarchy in, in religion, and they had competing views, and, but they both were against Jesus in a lot of ways. And Jesus says, or uh, Jesus was talking to the Sadducees about the resurrection. They were trying to challenge him and say, make him look stupid. And he just, man, man, I love Jesus for his intellect, for his smarts. When the Pharisees heard that the, he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question. Amen is right. Asked a question. I love Carter. Bye, Carter. <laughs> 
One of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to do what? To test him, right? It wasn't to learn from him. It wasn't to try to gather something from him. It was to test him. It says, teacher, verse 36, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, and I love this answer. This is incredible. He said something from what's called uh, the Shema out of Deuteronomy 6, 4. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. How much of your heart? All of it, right? With all your soul and with all your mind. Everything you got, right? Love him with it. This is the greatest and most, most important command. The second, and I love this, because they asked him which one is the greatest, and he gives them more than what they asked for, which is beautiful way he does this. Listen to what he says. The second is like it. Now, he's not saying these two are similar. What he's saying is that you can't separate these two. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second is attached to the first. That's why he had to answer it that way. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself, listen to what he says. All the, how much of the law? This is the law of Moses and the first five books of the, of the, of the Bible and the prophets after that. So he's talking about the entire Old Testament up to that point. He says everything depends on these two commands and they are absolutely inseparable. Wow. Like it's pretty important for us to be thinking like this. It's pretty important for us to understand this, that love of God and out of that love of God is a love of other people. If we are doing all that, we are in his will. Woo! How cool is that? And do we want to be in his will? Absolutely we do, right? So if that is true, we will have no other gods before him because we love him. We will not steal from other people because we love them. See how that works? Ten commandments will fall in line. Everything will fall in line if we love God with everything we've got and love our neighbor as ourselves. The problem is, <coughs> so many of us in the American church and in the culture today, we see Jesus as Savior only. Like we see him as like, oh man, I, get, I got a free ticket out of hell. It's my, my spiritual firefighter, right? No, it, it, Jesus is a one-time Savior and a full-time Lord, and if we love Jesus, we are going to obey Jesus. Well, how do I know? Well, how do you make that connection? Well, it's because Jesus himself said this very thing. And this is the heart, guys, of discipleship. This is the heart of, of how we become disciples. We're going to be putting a city group together, uh, like Ed talked a little bit about, um, that, that is, like, we have had so many questions about Tell us about this discipleship thing. Like, like you even had people that are going through discipleship that really are, are like, I'm still struggling to try to figure this all out because it's totally radically different than most churches. See, what most churches do, and again, I'm not trashing those churches. I'm just saying this is an observation that we make that is, is frankly, we've got to change this in our American culture. We've got to because we're never going to get there the way we're doing it. But I mean, if, if, if we baptize somebody, dunk somebody under some water, and plop them into a Bible study and think we've made a disciple, we are sorely mistaken. Like, we have got to walk with people. That's one of the reasons why I love this. Like, we want to under, help people understand what genuine, true discipleship is so that when they are discipled, they're not freaking out because this isn't what I'm used to. Because this is what's been happening. 
People are walking. I go, oh, oh, not, I'm not comfortable. I'm going to go to another church and things like that. I'm, I'm, I, hey, this is just discipleship, right? It's pretty remarkable. And I'm, I'm, hey, if somebody is called to go to another church, I'm not trying to say, oh, you need to stay here. That's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's what a cult does, right? We're a big C church. We're just a local manifestation of the global body believers. Have at it, baby, right? But discipleship is, is scriptural. That should not change no matter where we go. John 14, starting in verse 15, says, Jesus says, lays it down. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Wow. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you what? The, another counselor, big C, counselor, right? To be with you forever. This is the Holy Spirit. And he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because he doesn't see him or know him. Remember Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. I give them eternal life. <clears throat> he doesn't just say I give them eternal life. He says they know me and they follow me. They do obey. But you do know him. Because he remains with you and you will and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Man, I love this. In a little while, the world will see me no longer. See, he was ascended into heaven, right? He was, about, he was crucified on, rose from the dead, by the way. That's ridiculous, right? I mean, he deserves to be worshipped. He deserves to be followed. He deserves to be the boss. Because I don't know anybody else that can rise from the dead. In a little while. The world will see me no longer, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has, listen, the one keeps saying this, he keeps repeating himself. A lot of people say to me, Casey, you keep repeating, I keep hearing that over and over. That's because Jesus keeps repeating, right? I'm just, I'm just the messenger here. One of the reasons I love to be a, a, a Jesus follower, I can blame him for all kinds of stuff that I say, right? I'm just, this is what he said, right? And that day you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands, obeys me, keeps my commands, and, and keeps them is the one who, what? Say it. Loves me. It's a pattern here. He keeps saying it, right? And the one who loves me, will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not, not Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, and he doubles down, right? He keeps repeating himself. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. This is a pattern, isn't it? We don't just... Start keeping his word. We love Jesus, and out of that love of Jesus, we obey him. It's a, it's a natural progression of love and devotion to Jesus. It's not, man, I got to not steal. Man, I got to not cuss. Man, I got to not get drunk. Man, I got to quit smoking crack. Man, I got to quit looking at porn. Man, I got to quit doing this kind of stuff. It is, I love Jesus. I'm going to give him all that crap. Whew. Come on. Come on, church. We got to get this. We gotta get this. We gotta fight for it. Do the hard stuff for it. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
this is one of the hardest things he'll ever say because it goes against our religious cultural grain. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. If you don't obey Jesus, you don't love him. That's what he says. That's the hard part. I got a lot of people coming to me after the first two services this morning going, dude, I'm rot. Like, good. Let's get you, let's, let's help you get there. Like, let's help you love Jesus enough to be obedient. Guys, this is what he says. You can shoot me down all you want to. I'm just repeating my, my Lord's words, right? The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the, the Father, will send him in my name. Will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I have told you. That's why we invite the Holy Spirit in. He consumes us and he reminds us constantly of what that means to be obedient, to love Jesus. This is awesome. And it's revolutionary and it shouldn't be. It's radical. It should be normal. It's, 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 it's unique in our church, in our churches, in our culture, but it's supposed to be what we're supposed to do. Like, that should be the exception. It's, it, it's the exception to the rule, but it's supposed to be the, the, the thing that is the common thing. Unfortunately, many churches and many people are teaching people that it's okay to be disobedient as long as you're nice, as long as you're charitable, as long as you're this, as long as you're that. It's okay for you to do all this other stuff and sleep with whoever you want to and, and sin in any way as long as you're nice to people. And this is what Paul is going, dudes, guys, listen, the church of Corinth was just rocked by Paul because of this kind of crap, right? Great commission. This is Jesus, and this is why it's hard. This is why a lot of churches don't do it, because as soon as you start doing it, as soon as you start helping people through some of this stuff, man, people get mad, right? They leave. I'm going to a church that makes me comfortable, and yet here's what he said. (coughs) Right before he was ascended to heaven, Matthew 28, starting at verse 19, he says, Go. He says, I'm with you always. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of, it doesn't matter what kind of church it is, they'll stop right there, put them in a Bible Bible study and think they've done something. Verse 20. After you have baptized them, which is the first step of obedience, if you haven't been baptized, guys, we will do that for you and with you. To take that first step of obedience out of love, not out of obligation. Teaching them. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's exactly what he was saying before. Exactly the same. So if we are teaching people to obey, and those people that love Jesus, obey Jesus, then teaching people to obey is teaching people to love God and their neighbors. Guys, we got to get out of this crazy, weird habit of saying, I'm doing this because the Bible says for me to do it. 
We don't obey God's commandments or Jesus' commandments, and God is Jesus. We don't do that because the Bible tells us to do it. We do it because we love him. Out of that love, we find out what his word says, and we do that. We're not thieves stealing, obey, disobeying the, the, great com, the, 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 the Ten Commandments. We're not steal, th- we don't steal because the Bible says don't steal. It says we love Jesus. He's our provider. We don't murder because the Bible says don't murder, don't kill, don't murder, don't kill. We don't murder but because God is life. Not because the Bible says don't kill, don't murder. It's because God is life. And we love him for it. We're not jealous of other people. Well, something good happened to you, nothing good happened to me, man. God is our fulfillment. And we love him for that. We don't love other people and become on mission and try to help people come into the kingdom because the Bible says we're supposed to. It's because we love Jesus. Man, Jesus isn't our Lord because the Bible says that we're supposed to make him our Lord. The Bible says we're to love him. And so we love him because he is worthy and he has paid that price and rose from the dead to show us exactly who he says he is. And we don't obey Jesus because the Bible says so, but because we love him. And as a result of that love, we obey him, even when it's hard. If we can get that down, church, collectively, unified as a body, believing him, loving him, working toward obedience on a daily basis, damn, guys, I'm telling you, gates of hell could not prevail. That's the way it goes. Amen, church? We're going to do uh, take communion together. Scripture <laughs> talks about communion. And that we're not to take it in an unworthy manner. We want to examine our hearts. Let God expose even the crappy stuff that we've got to deal with. Like, let him do that. One of the things it says, if you have sinned against someone, you need to go make that right. I had to make it right with somebody this week. It sucks, Right? Because I want to hang on to that bitterness. I want to hang on to what I did. I want to try to excuse it. But, but God just thought me in the back of the head and said, jerk, go make it right. He may not have called me a jerk, but I felt like a jerk. The scriptures, when Paul says, don't do this in an unworthy, unworthy manner. It's like, don't let sin go to the communion table without it being dealt with. A couple of years ago. No, longer than that, probably 10 years ago, actually, I had to leave a church service, drive 45 minutes to make it right with a brother. Then I came back when nobody was looking, and I got the juice out of the fridge and the crackers out of wherever they were stored, and I took communion then. Cool thing is they're both gluten-free, in case anybody's worried. But ultimately, guys, the, we want to be obedient. Yes, but the first and primary thing that we have to do is love God, love other people, let the obedience flow out of that, and let people work in your life that love you enough 
care about you enough not to let you stay where you're at, but help us to grow. Amen? Father, we love you. We don't just love you, God. We are amazed by you. We're amazed at what you did. It's incredible. From Genesis to Revelation, you are a God of love who is worthy to be worshipped. There is no other God like you. Not even close. Father, as we are examining our hearts, we ask you to open our hearts and to, to, to really look inside us and reveal to us where we are. And just like this week where you thumped me on the head and said, hey, bro, you need to go make this right. Father, may you do that for us this morning. Not because your Bible says so, but because we love you. And we're willing to do the hard things out of that love. It is in your son's amazing, wonderful, incredible name. Everybody in the house said.